Welcome to the City Baptist Church Podcast, where we are passionate about sharing Jesus with Vancouver and beyond. We would love for you to be a part of one of our weekend services. And of course, you can find details on location and service times on our website at citybaptist.church. Today's podcast is from our current teaching series, This Is Us, where we are discovering our core identity and God's intention for every person in the local church. We're in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, and it's our final message today. I've got lots of points today. If you looked at your notes ahead of time, I know some of you like to look at your notes and be like, oh man, here we go. I have seven points today, and uh, the number of perfection, right? And so we're just going to bring it all in together. But so far in our series, we've talked about several different important aspects, characteristics of who we are as a local church. And so the first week, we talked about the idea uh, that we are to be a functioning church, everyone involved. Remember, we talked about the idea of the country club. You remember that? We talked about uh, how we're not a we're not a country club where we kind of put a little bit in and then we expect service. The local church is very different. Now, who remembers the club that I referenced here in Vancouver that I compared it to? Does anybody remember the name of it? What was it, Sally? The Arbutus Club, remember over the west side? And here's what's so interesting. This is how the Lord moves in mysterious ways. After I preached that message, uh, Sammy got a job at the Arbutus Club. She came to me and she said, she said you were preaching and, and she had just had the interview or something and they offered her the job like the next day. And she's like, oh, I should take it, right? So uh, I don't remember all the details, but I thought that was like the funniest thing I'd seen in a long time. And uh, I heard in a while, she's like, you'll never believe it. I got a job at the Arbutus Club. So I said, you get a free membership. No, she doesn't get a free membership. So. Anyway, uh, so that was our first week. We talked about how we're all to be functioning. Everyone's involved doing things. And then in the next week, we talked about uh, how we are to be united in our purpose as a church. And then our third week, we talked about having a servant's heart, being willing to serve one another, especially the idea of seeking the joy of others rather than seeking our own pleasure. And that's really a biblical principle that we see that's so important to us working together and serving together as a local church is that we be willing to serve so that someone else would experience joy rather than ourselves. Now that goes against completely against our world's philosophy, doesn't it? It's all about me. I was watching something this week or last night, Jeanette and I were watching something on this TV show and, uh, and, and the, the person in the TV show was like, I just need to focus on me right now. Have you ever said that? Anybody? Be honest. I've said that before, you know, like Jeanette, you take the kids. I just need to focus on me for a little bit. And she's like, no, you can't do that. No, you're not allowed to do that. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit does that to our lives as well, too. And uh, we'll encourage to say, no, you, it's not about you. It's not just about focusing on us. We've got to be here to serve one another and it's serve for the joy of one another. That's a really great way to live life, by the way, and a great way for a local church to be. And then last week we talked about how we're to be committed, simply very committed to God, first of all, committed to his word, as well committed to one another, our relationships, and even in opposition, remain committed. So many people today fall away from their faith. They fall away from following the Lord just because a little bit of opposition comes into play. And we've got to be careful of that, even if it's just sort of a mental switch. You ever have that? You just like sort of turned off a mental switch? Hey, I'm going to ask that today a lot. Have you ever? So just help me out and just be like, yes. Even if you don't know or cannot relate, say yes today. Help me feel like you're with me. Because do you know what happens when you're with me, right? What happens? I move through the message. If I feel like you're not with me, I stop for a while. And so today we have a lot to cover. And some of you are like, hurry up, move on. Okay, here we go. So today we're going to conclude our series. And uh, I want to use our service today uh, to get across a simple point to us. And I want to encourage us 
to be simply to be people that are thankful today. We're going to talk about the idea of gratitude. We're, talk, we're going to talk about being thankful for the local church that God has given to us and how a life of gratefulness will result in a change that takes place in our hearts. Living a life of gratefulness will actually draw us closer to the Lord in worship. And the title of the message today is The Effects of Thankfulness. I believe is what I titled it, The Effects of Thankfulness and how it makes a difference in our life. So we're going to look at 1 Chronicles chapter number 16 today. Now, when you think of Chronicles, immediately what do you think of? Someone help me out. What do you think of when you think of the book of Chronicles? What's that? David? Good job. That was not the answer I was thinking you would say, but uh, before I, I always tell Jeanette, say this. No. Uh, what do we think of when you think of Chronicles? We think of what? Chronicles, right? Genealogies. Anybody ever felt like that? Or notice that when you think of Chronicles, the book of Chronicles, you think of genealogies, and uh, someone's calling me right now. That's really, that's not very cool. You must not know me. <laughs> it's like, okay, Sunday morning at 10.30, he's not doing anything. Okay. Um, and uh, Chronicles, we think of genealogies, don't we? You don't think about that? Well, we do. There's lots of genealogies in the books. Man, you guys are having a rough time today. Is it okay? All right. But what it's mainly known for is David. Good job, Jeanette. For David. And uh, I think she read my message ahead of time. And, uh, and so shared Dropbox files. That's what it is. She's just checking on it every week. But uh, the book of Chronicles mainly deals with the reign of David. And in a lot of ways, the book parallels uh, Samuel's accounts of his life. There's a lot of things that are similar within them. But Chronicles kind of uh, narrows the account a little bit, uh, abbreviates it in a way. Now, at this point in the life of Israel, David is now the king. He's in Jerusalem, uh, and he has a strong desire to see the ark of God moved back to Jerusalem. Now, the ark is interesting because it is a, uh, it's really a picture of the presence of God. And so everywhere, you remember the old ark, and they would carry it with them where they would go, and they'd have battles, and it symbolized the presence of God. Well, it had been captured by the Philistines for a while, and now Israel had recaptured it, and there's a whole bunch of cool things that happen around them getting back the ark of God. We're not going to talk about that today. You can look it up yourself, but finally they have possession of it, and they had kind of parked it for a while at a guy by the name of Obed-Edom's house. And Obed-Edom, he was willing to have the ark of God reside there, and God brought great blessing to his home, and it was just sort of hanging out there for a while while they figured out the best way to transport it without killing anybody. Remember that story? And uh, say so they finally got it all figured out, and David now, they're going to take the ark, and they're going to move it back to Jerusalem. David, the king, had prepared a, a, a tent, a tabernacle at that point. He was waiting for the ark to come, and now where we're going to be today in chapter 16... The, uh, the ark was now returning to Jerusalem. It was an incredible time in Israel. It was a time of celebration. It was a time of peace offerings, of, uh, of, of uh, sacrifices to God, representing their praise and their worship going back to the Lord. It was a time, actually, uh, where they sang songs of worship. There were songs written. There were songs that were being sung. And as well, I thought this was really cool. It was a time where King David gave to everyone in the land, it says, food. How great would it be if like Justin Trudeau was like, uh, on Tuesday, everybody's getting a steak and a baked potato. I mean, that would be, that'd be awesome, right? Uh, and, and a free Pepsi, you know, or something like that. Can you imagine, and be like, we'd, there'd be lineups, you know, we'd all be going, I'm, where are you going? I'm going to get my free steak. Uh, when, I was in, when I was in college, uh, Chipotle was just launching when I was in college, and uh, they gave everyone in our college a free burrito if you just showed your student ID. But what they didn't figure out is that there was, for a college student, like four lunches, right? 
right? And like two dinners. And so guys kept going back and going back and going back <laughs> for more burritos. That was the first time I ever had Chipotle and it changed my life. And, uh, and even if they have sal- salmonella scares, it doesn't matter. I love Chipotle. But, uh, but anyway, imagine that. He gave food to everyone. And so it was a time of just national celebration. And the reason that the celebration was so big, the reason that uh, it, was, it was such an exciting time was because the ark was returning to Jerusalem, the symbol of worship. Uh, David, he even assigned the task of leading worship to different of the Levites. In 1 Chronicles 16, verse 4, it says, And he appointed certain of the Levites as the priests of minister before the ark of the Lord. And look what they were to do. And to record... And to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. To David, this was like a dream come true. I mean, this was, think of your greatest day in your life when you were six years old and whatever it was happened to you and you're like, that's the best day ever. To David, this was it. This was like, I mean, he'd been waiting for this. The ark was returning home. And you got to understand this. It was from that place of just praise and thanksgiving and excitement that David now turns and he speaks to the people of Israel this psalm that we're going to see of praise and thanksgiving. Now, we think of psalms. We think of psalms, right? This actually mirrors Psalm 115, interestingly enough, in many different ways. But we see it here in the book of Chronicles as a record, maybe one of those guys that he told write this down, as a record of what David said. And you got to understand it was from a heart of worship. And so in this celebration psalm we're going to see, David gives us some helpful instruction on how we as Christians should express our praise and our worship to God. And so in the, the, the passage we're going to look at, we're going to see seven, like I mentioned, seven helpful attributes, seven effects of thankfulness that come from people who are thankful that we have a place to worship, that we have a God that is tangible, that we can see the presence of God in our lives. And he's going to give us some effects of that, some outpourings, if you want to call it that. And today I want to just challenge you with your gratefulness for this place of worship. So point number one today, he first of all, he just says, give thanks. You said, well, yeah, we get that. Yes, we're going to cover that though for a minute. He says to them, give thanks. Look at verse number seven and uh, verse number eight. First Chronicles 16. I'm sorry, I put, uh, I put number six there, which was, which was incorrect. It's 16, verse seven there. It says, then on that day, so this is the day that the ark came, David delivered first this psalm, so this is fresh material. It says it's first. He delivered it first, this psalm. Here's why. To thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. Give thanks unto the Lord, he said, and call upon his name. Now, David here is full of the blessings of God. He is just, if you could be there, I mean, he's just bubbling over with the blessings of God. He's just that person who's just so excited. He's so enthusiastic about what God is doing, and he's so full of it. And so uh, you got to remember, God had established him as king. He had been through so many incredible things uh, up until that point, and now the ark was there. Now he could reestablish proper worship there in Israel. God had given them victory over their enemies. He had united the hearts of the people to follow his leadership. And David knew something that we've got to remember here is that even though all of these things had taken place in his life, even though it kind of was like a mountaintop right now, David remembered and he said, listen, it's actually all about God is what he's saying. It's all about God. Notice how he says uh, here that uh, in the verse, he said, give thanks unto the Lord. He did not say give thanks unto me like most kings did, right? I am the king and I did all of these. He said, give thanks to the Lord. God is the one. God is the one who did these great things. And so he says, let us give thanks and let's call on his name. Let's identify the source of blessing. 
it is so important for us as Christians to identify the source of the blessings that we have, isn't it? Because so easily we find ourselves turning inward and saying, well, I'm the source of this blessing, right? You know, as men especially, I'm talking to the men for a minute. Guys, we struggle with this because men by nature are prideful, aren't we not? Let's be honest, aren't we? And oftentimes we look at our families or we look at our jobs, we look at our careers or whatever's going on in our lives and that pride just comes back. And, and sometimes we're just like, whoa, this is because of me. I did this thing. Right? And then, uh, and then I, did, I, I did this. I provided for, I'm a good provider. By the way, it works the other way, right? When things aren't going so well, right? This is all my fault. This is terrible. You know, I'm the worst guy ever. It's, the, it's those highs and lows. Now I realize we all struggle with it. But David didn't put it on himself. He immediately pointed to the source of all blessing, and that was God. The concept of thankfulness is so uh, key, especially in this situation. But for us as Christians, all throughout the Bible, it's, it's seen. New Testament, Old Testament, we see thankfulness. We see a push to be uh, thankful. We are instructed to have thanksgiving as an overriding aspect in our lives. you got to remember in Philippians, it tells us, with prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called into one body. And then a command here says, And be ye thankful. Ye means me. We need to be thankful to the Lord. And so David here, at the very beginning, the immediate thing he does is he points to God. He points to what God has done in his life and in Israel. And the same way for us as a church, we've got to point to God in our thankfulness for everything that we've got. We've got to look to him and uh, thank him and be thankful for what God's done here, even in our church. I think so many times we look at circumstances or things and say, man, it was just so great that it all came together. But listen, we need to point to God and recognize that God is the one who's done this. God is the one who's allowed us to have a place to worship, a place to uh, follow after him, to learn the word of God and to grow. To me, it's so ironic to see these uh, first world memes. You guys ever see those? You know, first world problems, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't even think of one right now. But you know what I'm saying? First world problems, and we, we have all these things, whatever it is. Our coffee's not 187 degrees or whatever it may be. You know, we have these first world problems. Uh, and to me, it's so, it's so ironic because it is so true of us, though. We forget how good we have it. We forget how good we have it here in our city. How good we have it as believers to live in Vancouver and the blessings that we have from the Lord. And it's not just material things. It's even the blessings that we have here as a local church. Man, so many churches today are closing. Remember that first message I talked about, how many thousands of churches close every single year in North America, and then how few are planted or replaced them. Churches are closing all around. Uh, some of you have been parts of churches that have had to close down for whatever reason. They're struggling. They go through difficulty. And, and while we don't always understand what uh, God is doing in all of those situations, the thing that I do know is that as a church, we need to be careful to give God thanks for what he is doing here at City Baptist Church. That's a wonderful thing to give God thanks and to praise him for what he's doing. In Psalm 118 and verse number 23, we often quote it. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Is it really marvelous in your eyes? Think about it. We often say that at anniversaries, right? Praise the Lord. It is, it is all his doing. It is marvelous in his eyes. And we all go, amen. But think about that for a minute. Marvelous in your eyes. I mean, something where you're like, whoa. Like when you were a kid and you saw that first superhero movie and you were like, oh man, I want to be Superman or whoever it is, right? <laughs> or, or do you remember what I was like? That like, whoa. As I, get, I, mean, it's, I can't believe I'm seeing this thing. We went to a circus last year. 
which I don't recommend because I, had a, I felt like I was having a heart attack the whole time as this guy ran on this metal loop that was spinning 30 feet in the air and as he ran and jumped rope on this, I mean, it was marvelous in my eyes. <laughs> and I wanted to scream at him, you know, but, uh, but I couldn't take my eyes off him. I was like, whoa, I just couldn't believe it. Listen, what God has done here at City is something that we need to say. This is, mar- this is a wonderful thing. It's the idea of lifting it up is an incredible thing. And it's in our eyes. It's something that we can see. It's tangible. God is doing something here. We cannot lose sight of that fact. We've got to be thankful for the church that God has given to us. We cannot lose sight of the blessings of the local church and to be a part of it. And so David, as he starts his psalm of praise, he encourages them to be uh, thankful. But then he also says that we are to make him known. We are to make him known. Look at 1 Chronicles chapter 16, and we'll look at verse number 8. So he says to him, or he says to the people, give thanks, it's all about God, and then he gives us some instruction. Verse 8, he says, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name. And then he says this, make known whose deeds? Whose? His, that's God's. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works, glory ye in his holy name. See, the natural progression from a thankful heart is a full heart. A full heart of thankfulness that then begins to recognize and with gratefulness see all that God has done for us. And that in turn points us to a natural response to let other people know about the good things that God has done for us. There's a crazy story that happened this week uh, uh, in, 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 a, in a pastor's life that I know. And I'm just going to share this with you real quickly. A pastor friend of mine in Winnipeg uh, had a crazy thing happen to him this week. I got the news article here. But it says this, Winnipeg pastor thanks God and Lane for $1 million. Now, this is a friend of mine in Winnipeg. He's a pastor. I've spent time talking with him many times. I've met him at different conferences. He won a million, actually $1.1 million not playing the lottery. I know what some of you are already thinking, I guess. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, he won it through those Safeway shoot and score. You know, you hear about on the radio, and we're like, no one's ever going to win that. Where they randomly pick a name, and Patrick Lane scored five goals. And so because he scored four goals, they got a $100,000 immediate bonus. And because he scored a fifth goal, he gets fifty grand for the next 20 years of his life. How crazy is that? <laughs> That's crazy. Now, now all of you are like, oh, maybe I should make sure my Safeway you know, membership <laughs> is up to uh, whatever. But I want you to notice the headline here. His name's Chris Haley. That's him and his wife. It says, Winnipeg pastor. What's the first thing he says here? He thanks God and Patrick Lane. Or is it Patrick? Uh, Lane. Lane. La- sorry, Lane. Am I, I'm saying it wrong. Lane. I keep thinking of the guy from Chicago. All right, Lane. Whatever. <laughs> for one million bucks, the first thing that he did, and this is so you can go and watch all the news, uh, all the news conferences and stuff. And the first thing he's like, I just gotta thank God, you know. And he's such a preacher; you can see he's like really comfortable in front of the camera, you know. It's really great. And, uh, and and what he was doing though is he's just giving God praise because he sees God in this situation. Now we hear a story like that, and we're like, of course I praise God, right? Like Jesus, thank you for a million bucks, right? We would we would totally do that, and he's my, you know, Jesus is my boy, and all these things. But listen, it shouldn't just be the extreme times that we give God the praise, right? It shouldn't just be the extreme times where we're like, you know, we say that, man, well, yeah, of course he would give praise to God. But listen, we're to praise him in the difficulties, praise him in the storm, praise him in the trials as well. Point others to Jesus Christ. See, our lives and our testimonies should be a constant reminder 
of the God who saved us. Man. See, all throughout Scripture, what we see is the principle of uh, telling and teaching others about the blessings and the provision of God in our lives. It's a constant principle we see over and over and over again. Not just telling people about the Word of God and its command, but a continued testimony of how God has worked in our lives throughout the years. How God is blessed, how God has done great things for us. You remember the Passover in, in uh, Jewish time, or, and still today, the Passover is a time that's specifically set aside by God so parents can teach their children of the mercies and the provision of God. That's one of the, the, the purposes of that is as they go through the meal, each of the different aspects of the meal would help them to relate a story of God's deliverance, relate a story of, of God's uh, um, uh, provision for them and to teach the people and teach their children to thank God for what he has done for them. The lesson for us today that I want you to get is that in our home and in our daily lives, there should be moments that we are taking time to share with others, to make God known, to let them uh, know about the blessings that God has brought into your lives. Look at that verse there again. He says, we are to make known his deeds and then talk ye of his wondrous works. When was the last time you talked about God's wondrous works in your life? Not just to yourself, but to others. Parents, when was the last time you talked to your children about the blessings of God? When was the last time you sat with them and said, hey, this is a result of God? This, this thing that we have or this blessing that, we're, that we have or this vacation we're going on or this thing that we're doing, uh, this is all from God. The fact that your daddy is a nice guy, that's the blessings of God. Hey, how many of you could say that? Many of us could say that because of what God has done, done in us. You know, the fact that your mom and dad are together is the grace of God. That's a wonderful thing that we can share with our children. I wonder, do these verses sound like us and do they sound like our home? Would we be a place and be a people who would not only give thanks to God, but tell others, tell our family, tell our friends why we are thankful? I think thankfulness is so lacking in our society today, isn't it? A heart of gratitude, and that's one way I think that we can shine as lights in this world, is simply having an attitude of gratitude, right? I love that rhyme, <laughs> an attitude of gratitude. And being able to illustrate and show to others who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that yes, you can even be grateful in the bad times, in the difficult times, in the challenging situations, because we recognize that even though we're in a difficulty right now, we still have a God who loves us, we still have a God who's for us, who's stepping in on our behalf, and he's doing a work for us. And so we are to give thanks. We are to make him known. But David continues, and he's talking about being thankful, but he says this is an out, outpouring of it here, is that we would also then seek the Lord, number three. He says we should seek the Lord. Look at verse number 10. He says, glory ye in his holy name. And then he says this, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Verse 11, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face Continually, What we see here is that there is joy in seeking the Lord. There is strength to be found for the journey that you're on right now. There is strength to be found in the challenges and seeking God and seeking the Lord really must be for us as Christians a lifetime pursuit. Constantly going after Him. This is a, a, something that we as children of God do. The lost do not seek after Him in this way, but those of us who know Christ... We are to be seeking him, not in the sense that he's hard to find. We get that. It, we, he knows that he will be found. Jeremiah tells us that in verse 13, 29, 13, he shall seek me and find me. I love that. God says, if you seek after me with all your heart, I will reveal myself to you when you shall search for me 
with all uh, your heart. Now, to seek God means this. It means to desire his presence. Desire his presence. Now, it's interesting. The translation for seeking the presence of God, the word presence, uh, translated Hebrew, actually means face. The face of God. Seeking his, that means to me, for you to see someone's face, you got to be close, right? You ever like be at a, you know, at like a gathering or something, a party or something, or a high school reunion, you're like looking across the room, is that, uh, is that, you know, trying to see, wait, I need to closer see their face, I know who they are. And the same way with God, we must be seeking his face, seeking his, uh, his presence. It is the pursuit of a closeness with God. Uh, over in uh, 1 Chronicles twenty-two nineteen, I don't have it here, but it says this. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Both the Old and the New Testament show us that it is a setting of the mind and setting of the heart on God. It's a conscious fixating or focusing our mind's attention and our heart's affection on God. It is the pursuit of a closeness with God. Remember, James said to us that if you will draw nigh close to God, then he will what? He'll draw close to you. And so it's the idea of as we seek God and we pursue him, he gets closer all the time and he will come to us and meet us where we need him to be. He'll be there when we seek him. He'll be there in those trials. Seeking God is like a, it's a God consciousness throughout your day. Not, not like a, you know, have a little talk with Jesus and then put him on, you know, on the side, right? It's, it's a constant pursuit, a constant focus knowing that he's by your side and he desires to be in your thoughts. You know, we experience this in our human world. Maybe you've experienced this with another person. Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever had that? Like, I just can't shake this person out of my mind today. Like, you know, maybe it's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. <laughs> I know for me, it's a good thing oftentimes, but sometimes in the middle of the day, I'll get a text message from Jeanette and it'll say, thinking of you. I miss you. Come home early. No. <laughs> Help. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> but she'll say things like thinking about you today. Uh, her, her, her most regular one is missing you today. And, and do you know what that tells me? It tells me that my wife is at home thinking about me. Now, she might be standing in a room, staring off into space, and chaos is swirling all around her. But she's thinking about me. By the way, you can do that in the midst of the chaos of your life as well. You can focus on God in the midst of all the craziness that's happening. All of the things all around us, even the exterior things that get us down so easily and we have trouble focusing on, we are to be pursuing God. As much as it gives me great joy for Jeanette to text me and say, hey, I'm thinking about you and all of those kind of things, how much joy does it give to the Savior as we are focusing on Him and, and our hearts and our minds are pursuing after Him? See, God's desire is to guide our steps, right? And, 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 and the idea is that our relationship to God would be so close that we can sense his direction at any moment. We can sense his leading. When you're far away from God, it's going to be hard to sense his leading. If he's so far ahead of you and he makes a slight adjustment, you're not even going to pick it up. But when you're right up close to him, you sense that. You sense his movie. You sense his adjustments. Because remember, Jesus is the best friend you're ever going to have, right? I mean, he, he loves you more than your spouse loves you. He loves you more than your parents love you. He loves you more than your kids love you as much as they love us. He loves you more than that. Think about it. And he loves you so much more and he desires abundant life for you. John 10 tells us that. And we are to then seek him continually with joy. And as we do that, you're going to sense his strength. You're going to sense his peace in the things that you are facing and the challenges you're going through. 
David here, remember, it's all about gratefulness, isn't it? And he's talking about gratefulness and being happy and being excited about what God is doing. And so he says, because you're thankful, you're going to make him known. You're going to seek the Lord. But then he says this to the children of Israel as well. He says, I want you to remember. I want you to remember, number four. Look at verse number 12. He says, remember his marvelous works that he hath done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Israel, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen one. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done. You know, I think one of the most strategic and successful tactics of the devil in the lives of Christians is the tactic of forgetfulness in our lives. The tactic of distracting us so that we forget our position in Christ, that we forget uh, his presence, that we forget what he has done for us in saving us, that we forget his past works in our lives. You know, we become so overwhelmed with the struggle of survival, don't we? We become so overwhelmed with uh, the pressures that demand our time and our energy that we get so overcome by the fear that often grips our heart, that paralyzes us from moving forward, and we forget that God is there and that he is ready to help us. See, we've got to remember God's faithfulness because we so often are forgetful when it comes to the idea of faithfulness. I love that song we sang today about the faithfulness of God, but we so quickly forget it. To me, one of the best examples of this is in Exodus chapter 14 and 16. You don't have to turn there. I'll just tell you a brief overview. So in Exodus 14 and 16, we see an example of this in the lives of, of the Israelites. Remember, verse uh, chapter 14, they're delivered from slavery. Uh, they're brought through the Red Sea. Now, that was a crazy situation, right? They, so delivered from slavery, slavery, brought through the Red Sea. And then in chapter 16, they're grumbling about not having enough food to eat. Which causes me to say, like, wait a minute. Do you not remember walking with walls of water, you know, on the side and, uh, you know, seeing the fish there and throwing rocks right at them, you know, trying to hit a fish in the sea there. And I, I would have done that. But, uh, I mean, it's a walls of water. Come on. And, uh, and, and walking with your arm through it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I mean, being brought out of slavery uh, but as you got through and the, and the Egyptian army is attacking you and then God releases those waters and, man, wipes them out just like that. And then just a few chapters, within two chapters, three chapters there, they're like, oh, we don't have enough food to eat. They're not trusting God. You know, for me, I look at them and I say, don't you remember those things? But we do the same thing, don't we? God brings us through a trial. God answers a prayer. And in a couple days, it's forgotten. We're, we're facing a trial at work. We're like, Lord, would you give me the grace to get through this? Uh, we have a relationship issue and we're like, God, I need to talk to this person. I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen about it. And God brings you through it. And then we forget about it almost instantly. We immediately forget what just happened, and we immediately look to the next struggle ahead of us, don't we? It's like struggle, trial, struggle, trial. That's how we focus our lives. Rather than just taking a moment and saying, man, God, you were there with me before. It's amazing to me how many times in my own life I have forgotten about how God brought me through trials. And when I'm faced with a trial, I'm like, this is the end. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't do this. I can't get through it. We've got to remember what God has done. We have to find ways in our lives of remembering God's faithfulness so that we can fight the spiritual amnesia that takes over our lives so quickly. How quickly does it come? 
I think it could simply be just taking time to remember and thank God every day. That's something personally I try to do every day in my prayer time. I spend a, a section of it, a good section of it, just praising and thanking God for what he's done for me. Never forget, right? Never forget. And we always, you know, in life when there's tragedies, right? There's a ribbon, there's a, there's a, a pin, there's something. Never forget, never forget. We've got to never forget the promises. Never forget God's faithfulness to our lives. Uh, another way that you could do it was just take special occasions, maybe like a birthday or an anniversary. We do that here at the church, on a church anniversary, and take times, in your, even in your own family. If it's your birthday, it's, your, it's an anniversary, something, to take a moment to just reflect and be thankful for the faithfulness of God, what He's done for you. Amen. Another way you can do that is set up some biblical, uh, I believe it's a biblical principle of setting up memorials in your life. Amen. You see that in Israel, you know, they cross a river, boom, let's build a rock, you know, structure. They set up these memorials all over Israel. Why? So when they would walk with their family and their children and the kids say, hey dad, what's that pile of rocks? They would say, oh, well that's what happened here. Setting up a memorial. I think it'd be good for some of us to maybe set up some memorials in your life. I'm not talking about a shrine, okay, or something you're like, you know, kneeling at or anything like that, but it's just something. <laughs> maybe something that reminds you of a situation, that reminds you of something that God brought you through. There's nothing wrong with having a memorial to help you remember the faithfulness of God. That's what it all comes down to. Maybe it's a certain verse you need to get framed, you know? Maybe it's a certain picture of, that reminds you of something that happens. Every time I log into my bank, it shows me a little picture. And I supposedly I'm supposed to recognize it and know that, oh, yes, I am Paul Connor, you know. Okay. Uh, anyway. I'm trying to raise a good bank. But anyway, you know, I have a little picture to remind me of, of bank. It reminds me of Vancouver. And so that's why I know that it, this is me logging into my account right now. Anyway, I don't know why they do that. But it helps. <laughs> having something. Having something that reminds you. So you remember, we just, regardless of how we do it, we just got to do it. <laughs> regardless of what works for you, find a way to remember the promises of God. Because it's those memories of the past that give us the hope for the future that we need so desperately. God's past victories can help us get through life's current failures and the struggles that we're going through. It's a powerful exercise to help us stay on track. To help us stay humble like we talked about at the beginning of the message. Remaining and having that humble spirit, remembering that it's all about God. And so we are to remember, but number five today, we are to be mindful as well. We are to be mindful. Look at verse number 15 to verse number 17. Be mindful. He says, be mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, even of, of the covenant uh, which he made with Abraham and of his oath unto Isaac and hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Now this is different than remembering, okay? Being mindful and remembering are two different things here. And it's different because we see how specific David is in mentioning the covenant and then the word. You see that there? He says the covenant, and then he says, and also remember the word which he commanded to a thousand generations there. This is an encouragement from David to obey and follow the word of God. David talked about it all the time. If you can't remember any passage at all about the word of God, always think of Psalm 119, because that's a place where David talked about it a lot. Verse number nine, and many of you have maybe even memorized this verse. He says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. How can we cleanse our way? How can we get right back to where we need to be? He says, by take heed, taking heed to the word of God. Verse 10, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. 
against thee. God has given us his word for a purpose. He's given it to us for a reason. It's a gift. And why not allow his word to make a difference in our lives? He says, take heed to it. So often we know that the Bible has the answers that we need. Uh, and we may even know the verses about what we're facing, but we don't actually take it to heart. We don't actually uh, take heed to it. We don't actually um, become mindful in meaning focusing uh, on what it is that he's trying to tell us. We just ignore it. Last night I, I, uh, I ran into somebody, um, and it's two weeks in a row I've ran into somebody from my past. <laughs> and last night uh, after uh, I was here at the church for a minute and I went over to Shoppers over here and I ran into somebody that I grew up with in church. And uh, uh, if I said his name, some of you would know him. Um, but it's somebody that I grew up with probably all through from the age of maybe 10, 11, all the, maybe even younger than that, all the way through high school. I lost touch after high school. And, uh, and I, I ran into him yesterday, and, and it's one of those things I was there. I had, I had Royal with me. I pulled Royal, and I was like, man, I know that guy, you know? And, uh, and he was talking on the phone, and, and I was like, and, and then he laughed, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's him. <laughs> you know, isn't that funny? I haven't seen him in probably 10 years, you know? And, and, uh, and before then, another five or six years before then. But I, uh, I connected with him. This is somebody that I went to church with. He was in church almost every single Sunday in the youth class with me. Uh, he went to the Portland Youth Conference with me. He went to church camp with me. But at some point uh, after high school, he just gave his life over to, to drugs and, and the whole scene and everything that, um, that is surrounding him there. And I know, he, he's, I know he's in a tough place right now. Um, we talked for a while, you know, and, and I invited him to church. I shared a bit of, of my testimony. I shared a bit of our church's testimony. And, uh, and I encouraged him to come. I said, hey, I want you to come to, to, come to church. He, he lives in the area, grew up in the area here. And, and, uh, but what was so interesting to me is that while we were talking, um, he quoted verses to me while we were talking. The first thing he said to me, he's like, man, God moves in mysterious ways, doesn't he? That's the first thing he said to me when he saw me, after he saw me. And, and he talked about how he's reaping right now what he sowed. He, he quoted, I mean, he said so many things. And I said to him, I said, man, a lot of those things that we learned as a young person, as a teenager, I said, a lot of those things have stayed with you. And he's like, yeah, they have stayed with me. And he said, he said, this is just, he said, this is just crazy. He's like, I need help. I need, I need, he's like, I have been, I have been struggling with this for so long. I'm just in a rough spot. He said, I've, I've got to get some help. I've got to do something. And, and, and I could not help but think about this. For years, he heard the word of God. He heard the truth. He heard, he knew, he knew, he knew. Even now, he's quoting the back to me 15 years later. And, and, and yet it hasn't stuck. It was not mindful. He texted me this morning, right before the service started, and said, hey, I can't make it today. He said, I am in need of a soul cleanse. I need this. He said, I'm going to try to come next week if you can. And so I want you to pray uh, for him, and you'll, you'll get to me. I, I pray he comes, and, and I don't typically use you know, people I'm inviting to church as an illustration um, because I really pray he comes. He, need, he needs the Lord. He needs some help. My point is, is that it is possible to know the Word of God and not be mindful of the Word of God. It is possible to know all the right things, isn't it? It's possible to say, yeah, yeah, the Lord is my fortress, and not make him your fortress. It is possible. So David says, uh, from a heart of gratitude, We've got to be mindful of God's word. Don't let your life be a life full of spiritual blessing and then ignore the word of God. I mean, it's a blessing to be in a place where the word of God is taught. It's, 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 this is not something on me. This is, a, this is a blessing for us to be a part of the church. 
I was so blessed to grow up in a church where the word of God was taught line by line, precept upon precept. That's a blessing. Don't lose sight of that. I think we don't recognize how spiritually wealthy we are. We don't recognize that. We become, we become just immune to it. And do you know why? It's because we have struggles outside of church. I get it. We all have struggles. But don't ignore them. Be mindful. Return to the principles of God and focus in on those things. And so David, he says, I want you to remember. I want you to be mindful. But then he transitions now in uh, verse number 24. We're going to skip down to 24. And he encourages us to declare. To declare point number six this morning. He says there in verse 24... Point number six, he says, declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. Now, this is obviously under a different frame of reference for us today. But David here is still instructing Israel to declare Jehovah God to the lost, to the heathen nations all around them. See, God's desire has always been that every every person from every nation be given the opportunity to hear of his greatness, to hear of the goodness of of God, and then to have the opportunity to repent and turn in faith to Him. Second Peter chapter three nine tells us the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but He is long suffering to us. Where I'm thankful for the long suffering heart of God, and because He is long suffering, He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The will of God is that all would come to repentance. Unfortunately, not all come to repentance, do they? But we've got to give them that opportunity. We have to share with them the word of God so that they would have the opportunity to turn and repent in faith and become followers of Jesus Christ. The theme we see is familiar uh, as New Testament Christians that we as believers are to declare his glory among all nations. Whether it's door-to-door outreach or witnessing to our friends and family, uh, to uh, whether it's a community event or witnessing to a co-worker, uh, helping to send missionaries all around the world, whatever it may be, we have a message to tell. And we should declare it. And the reason we declare it is because of what we have already received in ourselves. The blessings that we receive from God result in telling others and declaring the goodness of the Lord. And Paul, uh, Peter here, uh, Peter, uh, David here says that we should declare the word of the God, uh, God. And then lastly, he says, number seven, he tells them just to give. He tells them to give. An effect of thankfulness is a heart of giving. A heart of giving. Look at verse number uh, 28. He says, give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. He's talking about lifting him up. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. And then he says to them, bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. After all of the thankfulness, after all of the remembering of his works, after the being mindful of uh, of his word for us, sometimes when we do that, we step back a little bit and we say, Man, God has done so much for us. What what do I even have to give to Him? God God has given to me eternal life. He has blessed me with a family. He's blessed me with children. He's blessed us with help. He's blessed me with a wonderful church family to be a part of. What, What do I have to offer to the Lord here? And we really don't have much to offer to the Lord except our obedience to Him, right? Except our obedience to Him. And so God uh, here, uh, or God in Scripture, encourages us. He says, yeah, it's not about what you can do. It's about the fact that are you doing it? Are you doing it? Are you obeying me? Are you bringing the tenth? Are you bringing your tithes to the storehouse, the local church? Are you willing to give sacrificially when uh, needs arise? Are you willing to give to missions? We can give to the Lord, and when we do so, we are worshiping Him. 
I think sometimes we miss out on that fact that when we give to God, we are worshiping Him. We are worshiping Him. Sometimes our mindset around giving gets so twisted a little bit. We think it's about, uh, about just like, I don't know, we, we just think it's like, well, we've got to do this, right? Listen, this is a form of worship to God. And by the way, God sees your heart when you worship in giving as much as He sees your heart when you worship in song. And it must come from the right heart. And so he says, to, he says to the people there, part of your gratitude is that you're going to bring an offering. You're going to give sacrificially. You're going to give, uh, you're going to give willingly. See, the fact is, I think you guys recognize this. God doesn't need your money, and he doesn't need my money. It's not, not like God is up there, oh, you know, he's all like waiting every Sunday, you know, he goes and checks the account. It's nothing like that, you know. He's not like, oh, I hope we, you know, we got to hit our marks this year, our budget's way, our budget's blown, you know. <laughs> what are we going to do? It's not about that. But God does desire that you follow him in obedience. It's an evidence of a, of a, of a mature believer. That you obey God in the tithe and you obey him in having compassion and being giving. In Luke chapter 6 verse 38 it says, Give and it shall be given unto you. This is a scriptural principle of giving from the right heart. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give it to your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. You say, what does that mean? What he's talking about, he says, as you give to God... It will be returned back to you. And not only will it be turned back to you, it'll be kind of pressed down. I always liken it to a Slurpee. You know, when you go to 7-Eleven, right? And you fill it up, what do you do when it gets to the top? <laughs> At least that's what you should do. Because <laughs> you're going to get a whole other like half inch in there. <laughs> you pound, you didn't kind of pound it down. It kind of compresses a little bit and put it back under there. And, and cream soda, man, it's all until it comes. It's great. That's what you do. You kind of pound, and, that, and that's how it is. We give to the Lord out of obedience, and God takes that obedience, and He kind of like passes it down. He adds more to it, and He gives it back to us. Gives it back to us. Second Corinthians nine says, "But this I say: He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully." Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, this is the heart here, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make, I notice that, God is able, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Listen, I recognize that the biggest obstacle that we often face when it comes to giving is simply worry, isn't it? It's worry. If I give, uh, I may not have enough money for retirement. If I, if I give, uh, what if some emergency comes up? Uh, if I give, uh, you know, what if I lose my job? If I give, maybe I won't be able to do this thing that I, that I want to do. If I give, I, I won't be able to, uh, uh, whatever it may be. And you guys can fill in the blanks so you understand what I'm trying to say. These verses, though, can reassure us and we should be reminded of the fact that God is able to generously provide for all of your needs. Sometimes we just need to reconfigure the difference between needs and wants, isn't it? That's the big thing. Understanding needs and wants. And learning how to be satisfied and thankful for what God has given to us. This is where remembering and being mindful of God's word helps us so much. In looking at God's provision in the past... For many of you, you should look at maybe look back and say, you know what, God's provided for me before. He's never failed me. He's never failed me. Why would I stop trusting him at this point? And so David says, listen, if you're if you're thankful, if you're excited, this point of worship, remember the ark returning, this true worship coming back to Jerusalem, a big part of that he says here is simply bringing an offering, giving, being showing our thankfulness in that way. 
It was an exciting and incredible day for Israel and for their leader. I think David maybe understood more than anybody else the value of what was taking place. And so he made the most of that time by sharing his heart with the people. And I want you to see how it all kind of ends down in verse number 34 to verse number 36. And we'll be done this morning. He said, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. He repeats it again. For his mercy endureth forever. Many of you probably know that verse by heart. You've heard it. Give thanks to the Lord. His mercy endureth forever. And say ye, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather us together and deliver us from the heathen, that we may give thanks to thy holy name and glory in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel forever and ever. And I want you to notice this last line. I love this. He says, we're praising. He gives us these, these character traits. And at the very end, it says, and all the people said, amen. What does amen mean? Amen means I agree. I'm in agreement. That's why uh, you have to be careful when you say it. You know, just be, you know. Sometimes in church, people say amen at the wrong time. So just be just be aware of that. You know, like there's a lost and dying world going to hell. Amen. No, come on. That's not, a, that's not an amen type of a moment. All right. <laughs> amen means I agree. And you shouldn't be afraid of saying that in church. That's okay to say that, you know? And, uh, and, and so we say amen, you know? Sometimes we'll be singing, and I'll be like, all right, amen, praise the Lord, you know? It's because we're excited about it. We're agreeing with it. And here's what I love, is after David, for all of these verses here, gives all of these things, all of these evidences of thankfulness, the people were like, amen, amen, I agree, and they praise the Lord. So what does that mean for us today as a church? That means you should say amen to today's message. <laughs> that means to these points that we've talked about, that should be our response. When it comes to thanking God for our church, when it comes to thanking God for the blessings that he's given to us, when we try to develop and cultivate within all of us a heart of thankfulness that leads to uh, making God known, to seeking the Lord, to remembering, to being mindful of him, to declaring and to giving, every single one of us today should have the heart of Israel and just be like, amen, I agree. That's a good thing. These are good principles that bring us closer to God in worship. Amen and praise the Lord. We hope today's message was a help to your relationship with God. To stay connected with us, you can like us on Facebook or give us a follow on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will continue to do a unique work as you pursue His will for your life.